Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight. I'm Sandy Jones, the host of this show and publisher of Christian Living Magazine, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we received so that we could come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in Christian Living Magazine. Hey, you know what? I have one of my favorite co-hosts joining me today, Mr. Steve Bertel. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I'm back in the saddle again. <laughs> Careful, you'll find yourself there more often. I know, yeah. <laughs> It's, I say my one of my favorite co-hosts. I think you these days are my Pro- only probably co-host. the only co-host. It's yes. <laughs> good thing. It's good thing you're one of my favorites. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Oh, you bet. Thank you. And and I I know she'll be not happy about this, but I want to give a shout out to your beautiful bride Marion, who's joining us today. She's always so quiet; you never know she's here. But Marion's such a good sport, and she always comes along, and we just love having her as well. So Marion, thank you. So we have four people and an audience today. We do. So it's almost a live show. Yeah. <laughs> With us today, we have two very special guests who have come to Idaho from Idaho. Excuse me, from the other side of the world, all the way from the Philippines. Roy Grimm and his wife Joanne. Roy, you should know, is the founder and senior pastor of the Luwag. Did I say that right? Luwag. <laughs> I, I'll get it right. I'll get it right at some point. Community Christian Church in the Philippines, which is the sister church to Ten Mile Community Church in Meridian. Brian, Joanne, thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you, Sandy thank you. and Steve, for having us. You bet. How how are you guys doing? Well, we're doing good. We're uh, we're on the end of our trip here and about ready to go back to the Philippines, and it's been great to reconnect with people. Oh, it's you know that's we have kids that are getting ready to launch into the mission field, and yeah, yeah yes, Amen. you know we've been talking to a lot of missionaries, so. That's great. So for transparency, this interview has been kind of a work in progress kind of thing. We, As we mentioned earlier, and it's Lowog? Lowog. Lowog is the sister church to 10 Mile Community Church, which is located out on Columbia Road just west of Cloverdale. I have always forever and a day lovingly called it the little white church on the hill. Because it is. It is yeah. the little white church on the hill. That's where you and Marion go to church. Of course, yes. Have for 20 some odd years that's and we have loved every time we have popped in to visit out there yeah so that's been a great it's a neat little country church so did you guys did you guys know each other steve and i yeah yeah we did we we had a couple of years of overlap uh during my time there and during his time there uh i think probably in the early 2000s yeah we had a couple of years together yeah that's cool. We might mention, and I'm I'm stumbling today. I don't know what my issue is. Mm. Probably because I have a co-host. <laughs> I want somebody else to share the responsibility. But I should mention that your story is in our current issue of Christian Living Magazine, our November December issue. Issue, and Steve wrote this. So I, I you did. know, I'm just going to kind of shadow you today. Sure, that works. So, Roy, I guess my my first question is: Let's talk a little bit about how you initially came to know the Lord. Well, I was uh, living in Montana uh, back in in the uh, 80s, uh, early 80s, and uh, I had had very little experience or exposure to church a couple of times when I was a kid, but uh, not much. And, and I watched the TV preachers, and the only one that ever seemed real to me was Billy Graham. And then I heard that Billy Graham was coming to Spokane for a crusade, 
This was in 82. And uh, I decided I, I, sh I needed to go to that. And so we went, and uh, that's where I accepted the Lord, 1982, Billy Graham. Okay. So let's, let's fast forward a few years to the mid-'80s. Uh, you got married. You started a family. You moved to Boise. Uh, you attended 10 Mile Community Church, as we mentioned, and eventually became a deacon there in, in the leadership right. uh, in the leadership role. And you're you're retired today, but back then your your day job and your career was in the semiconductor industry. Um, so explain a little bit about how that job led you to travel really all over the world. Yeah, that's right, Steve. So I was an engineer with uh, uh, ASML, semiconductor manufacturer. So we had customers all around the world, uh, Intel and IBM and AMD, all the uh, major chip manufacturers, including Taiwan and Singapore and uh, Europe, of course. And so I was uh, stationed in uh, some of those places uh, a few few different times for a few years at a time. And that's where I, uh, I, I guess I had my world got bigger, and I was exposed to uh, a lot more than, than what I had been before when I was in the USA. And, and actually in, in Singapore, my church that I was going to there, uh, we did a mission trip into Cambodia. And then that, that, that first trip into Cambodia as a mission, as mission team, I think it was what lit the fire for me for missions. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll come back to that All here right. in a minute. But uh, in 2008, you were back here in Idaho. Right. Um, and you had a pretty bad motorcycle accident. Tell us about that. I did. I was, uh, I was on my uh, motorcycle on the fast lane and yeah, going from Nampa to Boise and got run off the road by, by guys trying to come in on the on-ramp. And I, uh, I went down hard. Uh, Went down hard. I broke 17 bones, mostly all on the left side, and it uh, took me several months to recover from that. But You're lucky you lived through that. Amen. They said that 75% yeah, of the people that uh, have my injuries uh, don't make it. So, yeah, God was, God was uh, there to protect me for that one. Yeah, and you had a helmet. Oh, I had everything. Yeah, yeah. helmet, riding suit, steel-toed boots. They were all destroyed. Uh. So we're going to flash forward again uh, to the year 2013. Oh. Uh, that, that was a sad year for you. It was. Uh, Pastor Mark at 10 Mile at the time said that uh, I was the poster child for grief. He was having grief counseling. So he used me as an example, I guess. No, in, uh, in early uh, uh, 2013, I lost my mom. And then in June 2013, I lost my wife of 35 years. And then uh, my, uh, my only other sibling, my brother, died in October that year. So I had quite a year, and I had uh, a little bit of a crisis of faith, I guess you could say. I was yelling at God. I was trying to understand why, why, God, are you doing this? Why are you taking these people out of my life? I and, can't even imagine that much loss. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, the fact that you're still here is, speaks volumes to your faith. Well... God build up my faith. Yeah, exactly, Amen. exactly. The um, during your uh, recuperation time after following the motorcycle accident, that kind of steered you toward an interest, I guess, in the in the missions field. Explain that a little bit. I felt the call of God in my life after the motorcycle accident. As you say, I was uh, recuperating for several months and 
gives you a lot of time to think about what's important and what's not important. And and so I enrolled in Bible school. I was still an engineer at the time, so I just did it as I could at night, whatever. And I was able to complete the, uh, the program through uh, Moody uh, to get my Christian ministry certificate. And that's, uh, that's what I was able to accomplish during that time. And between the 2008 motorcycle accident and the 2013, God showed me that he has a plan for me that's not necessarily the plan I had in mind. You were commissioned uh, by Ten Mile Community Church as their uh, first missionary to Asia. How did that come about? That's correct. And uh, I retired from my uh, engineering job in 2013 to become a missionary. It was my, uh, it was my calling. And uh, 2014, uh, Pastor Market, Ten Mile at the time, commissioned me as a, as a missionary. It was the first time that Ten Mile had ever done that commissioned a missionary to Asia. So it was a pretty exciting, pretty so, exciting time. So you built for yourself a little bamboo house um, on the um, on the beach in the Philippines. Um, yet you your mission was in Cambodia. Uh, ex- explain why you built the house for yourself. Well, when I went first to Asia, I had a, uh, a connection with a Philippine missionary pastor, Lomer Hope de la Cruz, who was working in Cambodia as a church planter. I went there to work with him, and, uh, but I could only stay for like six weeks at a time, and then I had to do a, what they call a, a visa trip to get out of the country and come back in. And so I'd already uh, been introduced to Joanne by then, and we together decided to build a rest house in the Philippines on the beach, just as a place to go in between trips to Cambodia. So that's, Joanne, that's you and I both been kind of quiet. <laughs> You've been <laughs> extremely quiet. Um, but that's about the time you guys met. How did that come about? Yeah, so we actually met online, but we do have um, a common friend. So, but we met the uh, first time December 2013 when Roy came to the Philippines for the first time. And then we got engaged uh, on July 2014. And we got married uh, January 2015. That's cool. So, so was, was it love at first sight? <laughs> I would say so because um, we've been like emailing for a long time already before we met uh, in person. So, you know, it's like you, we know each other for a long time already. That's, I, sorry, I just... Th- I just had to ask. You know me, being nosy. So you joined Roy in his mission field in the bamboo. I can't even talk today. Bamboo house on the beach. But before you started the church, you started at Sunday school. What what prompted you to do that? Actually, because we live in the province, there's a lot of kids already coming to our house because when they see Roy, they haven't seen foreigner for you know in that area. So they're like very curious about him. So they come to the house and like you know just touch him like you're so white and you know and so the kids will come and then they don't really speak English so much so we we ask them if they want to learn English and if they want to learn about Jesus and that's where it started that's amazing and and so you were thinking then about building a church because the the population, I guess, of your Sunday school class was growing and growing, and and not only were children coming, but also their parents as well, correct? Right, yeah. Our first uh, Sunday school class, we were praying for 40 kids to, to show up in, in February 2015, and we actually had 63 kids show up, and then it just grew from there. 
we uh, outgrew the bamboo house very quickly, and we built a bigger house with a bigger veranda. And uh, we had over 180 kids on that veranda, and we said, okay, it's time to start thinking about doing something different. So I was praying about it and praying about it, and God said, build the church before you build the church. And he was telling me to get the adults involved because up to that time we had been uh, only with the kids. And so we started adult studies as well. And then we started praying about a lot. And then uh, miracles started happening. Yep, yep. The, um, when we did the interview for the article, you mentioned that uh, you had come back to the United States to do kind of a fundraising effort to, to um, uh, raise money for, for a building fund for your church. But the money wasn't coming in as you had expected. So you kind of, I don't want to say you had a change of heart, but you were kind of questioning the direction, I guess, that, that, the, Lord, that the Lord was leading you. I'm stuttering now, too. It's contagious. Um, <laughs> until Joanne had a vision. Tell us about your vision. So during the time that we were here, during the fundraising, so we didn't really get much fund. So I was thinking to myself, maybe this is not the right time the Lord wants to build a church. Maybe, you know, in five years or ten years, I don't know. But one day... I was sitting in the couch. The Lord showed me a vision. So I see like people, they're like a silhouette. They're all black silhouette. And then they're all tied together with chains in their neck, in their hands, and in their feet. And they're like walking towards the church property. And then when they turn to the church prop- property itself, and then everything become bright. And I heard all the chains and the shackles just fell down. And right then, I knew that the Lord really wanted to build a church. I don't know how, but I know that God will do it. In his perfect timing. Amen. (laughs) So you guys went full steam ahead with the church, uh, back to the Philippines, construction started. And Roy, you said before that it was miracle upon miracle. Tell us about some of the miracles. It was, well, the lot itself was, uh, we asked asked, uh, people that we knew around the area to help us find a lot. And we found one. It was uh, offered for a million pesos. And uh, it already had an offer on it uh, to the lady that owned it. But uh, we, we talked to her anyway. We asked about it, and, and uh, she says, yes, I'll sell it to you. And then she sold it to us for half, 450,000 pesos, mm. because she says, if it's for the Lord, if it's for his work, then I want to give it to you for half price. Mm-hmm. So that was a first miracle. Our savings and what, what contributions we had went towards that. And uh, we we were off to a good start, and then we uh, we started talking about the church itself, building the church itself, the building. And turns out that the uh, neighbor of us was actually a engineer and a, uh, a construction foreman. He lived directly across from the lot where we would build the church, and so he says, "I'll do it." And he said that uh, he'll do it for a discount because uh, it's uh, for the church. But he also said, I want it to look good because I'm going to have to look at it every morning off my balcony. <laughs> so he had a vested interest he in that. He had a vested yeah. interest, yes. Yeah. So what day did the church open, and, and what do you remember about that first day? Well, we, we, uh, well first of all, we, we raised about a third of the money that we needed to build the church, and, and we said, let's just get started. We know that God wants to build a church here. We don't know where the money's going to come from, but we had about a third of the money. And I said, well, we'll just go as far as we can. And if we run out of money, 
Um, we'll just stop and then start again when, when we get another contribution. And so we did that. And, you know, God never stopped providing. And uh, week by week, the money would come in for the salaries, for the materials, and every week. And then as soon as the church was finished, it stopped. It truly was uh, a miracle. And uh, building your faith in what God can really do through his people. And the interesting thing is that the people that we thought would contribute towards the church were not the people that God used. Mm-hmm. Isn't that how yeah. that works? Yeah. Yes. So today you guys have a, comp- a, a number of outreaches, including, and surprisingly, in two schools. So, Joanna, what can you tell us mm-hmm. about that? So um, before, we went to the schools to ask them if we can do like Bible study or class for the students, but uh, there's a lot of requirements in the Philippines to be able to do that. But and then after like a couple of months, they were the one who came back to us and asked if we can teach the kids. So now we have like two elementary schools, so it's about 180 kids that we're teaching every week. So we give them snacks during recess time, and then we teach them about the Bible. Do you think that the, the schools in the Philippines are more open to hearing about the Lord than they are here in the U.S.? Yes, I think so, because um, actually Philippines is, you know, um, Catholic background, so they know about Jesus and everything, and um, they like to also hear about, you know, the Word of God. That's so cool. I had such a good time reading your story that, that Steve wrote. And I was amazed, you know, some of my long ago history was we had a catering company, so I got to do all sorts of fun things like weddings. But you guys recently did a mass wedding for 20 couples. How how did you pull that off? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Maybe Roy can tell that story. <laughs> how did you, Let's start with how did you find 20 couples? <laughs> well, it's an interesting story. We uh, It was actually 19 couples is what the total wound up to be. But... Uh, what happened is my associate pastor and I had applied to uh, get the authorization to do marriages in the Philippines. And he's, he's Filipino. He's actually uh, used to be the vice governor of the province, and he has a lot of uh, uh, network connections and sort of thing. But me as a foreigner, it's a little bit harder to get uh, the mountain of paperwork needed to qualify for that. He got his... Uh, authorization first and then i got mine a couple three months later and so we said well we need to try these out and so we sent out our evangelism teams out into the uh, community to identify couples that uh, uh, maybe been living in common law marriage or are just living together and and so the teams went out and found quite a few and we uh, brought them to the lord we baptized them in the ocean brought him into the church, and then we had a grand wedding. Mm-hmm. So we, we bought all their rings, and the YWAM, the Youth for Mission, they also um, donated the wedding dresses, and we also threw a reception for them. That is amazing. So how, I'm, I can't even imagine 19 wedding gowns. Mm. Um, you know, here in the U.S., we, we joke about bridezillas. I can't imagine <laughs> working with... 19 brides and grooms at one time that is that is so cool so my question is if i if you don't mind me jumping in why was there so many common law marriages or people living together in in the community where your church is 
in the province where we're at, there's uh, it's a financial burden, I think, for a lot of these uh, couples to be able to get together enough money that they don't need for something else to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the paperwork issues. There's the, the time that it takes. And uh, some of these the folks didn't even have birth certificates. So it was uh, it was quite a quite a bit of work on our part actually to do the uh, to do all the paperwork mm-hmm. needed to to get these uh, people ready to be married, and so I think that that it's mostly a financial concern actually, and and part of your staff actually helped out with the ceremony as bridesmaids, groomsmen, ring bearers, etc. That's right. Our our young uh, our young leaders uh, were the ones that were performing all of those duties in the wedding. And uh, it was it was pretty special. The the uh, couples would walk in with their kids. A lot of them have kids. Some of these were twenty year you know uh, unions that had never been blessed by God, mm-hmm. and so they're coming in with their kids. And and uh, then the the picture of all the all the couples together was uh, was pretty uh, outstanding. Yeah. yeah, that is that is just amazing. And and you guys did this. Now I realize that there were a lot of donations, things like the wedding dresses and that. But you did this for twenty five hundred dollars. You can't you can't do a wedding for in the U.S. for twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> no, that's true. It was uh, it was much less expensive than a U.S. wedding, and and uh, the interesting part about it is the people really wanted to do it as a group. Uh, in America, I would think that that more often the couples would want to have their special day by themselves, not necessarily with sharing it with another couple. But the uh, the attitude with this group was that they wanted to be part of the event. I, I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool to yeah. get married with 18 other people. Plus all the food afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and somebody to help with all the paperwork. I don't, I'm not familiar with what the rate of exchange is between the U.S. dollar and the Philippine dollar. So is cost of living is, is a lot less expensive. I know when our son goes to Pakistan, he's just like, Mom, everything's so cheap there. And so is, is that part of the consideration there? Well, I think that uh, if we look back at 2015, then it was quite a bit cheaper to be in the Philippines than the U.S. But in the recent years, uh, we've had inflation in the Philippines as well, so prices have gone up there a lot. And I thought it was pretty uh, it was pretty high until we came here to the U.S. after four years being in the Philippines, and and now I have a new reference point. There was a wake up call. <laughs> yes. There you go. So. so we have about 60 seconds left here. If if people who are listening to this or people who read the article want to find out more about your church, how can they do that? Well, we have a Facebook page. It's uh, it's called, it's dash dash uh, Luwag Church, or just search on Luwag Community Christian Church. And we have a, a Facebook page for that. And how do you spell Luwag? L-A-O-A-G. Good, because yeah. phonetically that's not how I yeah. have it spelled in my notes. <laughs> Good question. So, um you know, gosh, guys, we're out of time. Roy and Joanne, thank you so much for joining us today. And Steve, thanks for thanks for coming oh, along. Oh, you bet. For the ride. You bet. I this enjoyed was fun. It. It's always fun, and I learned a lot. So, folks, if you'd like to learn more about Roy and Joanne's story, pick up your own copy of Christian Living Magazine in over 600 locations throughout all of Southern Idaho, or read us online at ChristianLivingMag.com. And as a reminder for our listeners, Christian Living Spotlight is now also a podcast and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, just to name a few. Be sure to subscribe today and never miss an episode again. This does bring our time to an end for this week. Folks, we invite you back next week when we have another special guest in store for you, someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration.
Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.